There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Um, happy both belated birthday and happy birthday in advance. <laughs> okay. Since, since we're recording yes. this before your birthday, but it comes out afterwards, uh, covering both sides. That, that's well done. I thought you were going to say, like, happy birthday to my dad and to our niece, Eleanor, because today's mm-hmm. their birthday. Yeah, today, today the episode comes, uh, the day the episode comes out, actually, their birthday. Yeah, but, but that's nice. Thanks. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did you get me? Uh, well, I got you some stuff on a shopping trip. Uh, oh, okay. You were really excited about it. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good job. <laughs> uh, this is also our first recording since our live show just before Halloween. We wanted to thank all of you who attended. Um, we were hoping for a good showing, and the show ended up being better than what we hoped for. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and the show itself, uh, we had so much fun. So we hope those of you who attended had as much fun as we did, and just thank you. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. It was a good one. Uh, Haunted Tales of Hallow's Eve. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, super cool new Knight Rider tee in the store now at badmagicmerch.com. And this has nothing to do with the 1982 David Hasselhoff series <laughs> about a cool talking car. Okay. It's, well, too bad. Mm-hmm, too bad. It's better. It's better. Okay. Than that. It's, okay. Uh, it's a cool classic tattoo art style skeleton guy riding some kind of hellbird. Uh-huh, it's very, very cool. <laughs> and um, and you were going to give Giving Tree announcements next week, you said, right? Yes, Giving Tree updates next week. But if you're listening to this on the 16th, just a reminder that today is your very last day to uh, submit your family if you need a little help this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure just the way the time zone breaks, if you're if you're a couple hours behind, uh, yeah, we're you, not ruthless. Yeah, you're not going to be cut off. Yeah, and that is uh, Giving Tree at BadMagicProductions.com. Absolutely, and uh, and that'll be for our December is the Giving Tree, and then November the Bad Magic Productions Charity of the Month, IAVA, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Thanks, you creeps and peepers. Um, we'll be giving them fifteen thousand eight hundred dollars. And then from their mission statement, we are here to serve and empower our post-9-11 veterans community. And they offer all kinds of stuff, guidance, support, resources, uh, do things like assist veterans uh, with using their GI Bill, help with housing, mental health support, and more. You can go to IAVA.org for more information. I have 
two stories for you today. I also, surprisingly, have two stories. Two pairs of stories. Can you even believe it? <laughs> what are the odds? Well, who would have guessed it? Uh, what are your stories about? What can you say? Mm, well, what, are what, you, I, what are you I, willing to say? Yeah, oh, okay. What I'm willing to share is that my mm-hmm. first story is about, like, the grinning man or the smiling man. Oh, uh, he, yes. I haven't heard about him in a long time. I know, which makes it it's, mm-hmm. it's a double whammy. Two encounters, one person, two encounters... Very creepy. Yeah. And the second one may be more creepy than the first. And then my second story, there will be a little trigger warning up top about uh, a brief but graphic moment of violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that story is, um, the sender called it the imposter. And it is a weird, like, haunting doppelganger thing that can morph, I would say. All right. So some, it's very bizarre. Interesting creatures on your end. Uh-huh. What about you? What you got? Well, my first tale takes us to the southwest, uh, or south, I'm sorry, takes us down southeast to southeast Mexico. Do you know your directions? I do, okay. I do. I saw, um, I'm thinking, a lot of times <laughs> I think of Mexico, I, I do think of the southwest because of the southwestern U- U.S. states that border oh. it, but this is southeastern Mexico, down in the state of Veracruz. Okay. Uh, we explore the local legend of the vanishing hitchhiker, a spirit who appears as a beautiful woman who seems so very real as she climbs into the car. Uh, we'll check out a fairly recent modern encounter story. Of this vanishing hitchhiker. Weird. Uh, less scary, in my opinion, than just very interesting. Okay. And then the second story I do think is scarier, the story of A75, a supposedly haunted stretch of highway in southwest Scotland where all kinds of paranormal activity has been uh, reported over the years. And the most famous reporting is the one I will share, the story of two brothers, what they claimed to experience on a long, scary night back in 1962. Hmm, the year you were born. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The year I was born. Uh, uh, another unintentional theme today, ghosts on the road. Oh, yeah. Boy, you're really cracking the whip with those themes. You're just like, let's mm. do it. Let's do it. Let's do mm-hmm. it. They just tend to show up. Maybe my brain is uh, into one kind of story, and then it just automatically adds another similar story in some way. Mm, maybe. Don't know. Your brain can make different choices. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I bet, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Um, let's talk about my socks. Okay. Okay. I think that they're chickens. What yep. do you think? I think they're chickens too. You th- yeah, we were thinking chickens or ducks. I think I think chickens. I think chickens. I think Chicken Joe has made his guest appearance and scared to death. Oh man, he's morphed into a pair of socks over from Time Suck. <laughs> what a what a sad ending to his exciting oh, life. Oh, oh man, <laughs> what a weird arc he's had. Oh poor guy. Um, uh, not much setup on this first story. Okay, you, you ready? To, I'm ready. To Let's get do into it. it. Let's get into it. Mexico is well known for its legendary hauntings, from La Llorona to the uh, Isla de las Muertes. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Isla de las Muñecas. Is it Isla? Island or of the Dolls. Is it Isla? Uh, hmm. But there are thousands of stories of other lesser known spirits that many have claimed to encounter haunting the country. Veracruz claims one particularly strange urban legend, that of a vanishing hitchhiker. She said to appear to men, most often cab drivers, as a frightened young woman asking for a ride. Only some let her in, and then the seemingly real woman asked to be dropped off at a specific address sometimes even suggesting a meeting with her driver the next day. This is a story about one of these exact encounters. A cab driver who worked the night shift in downtown Jalapa in Veracruz claims to have seen and interacted with the spirit of this vanishing hitchhiker a couple years back. Time now for the tale of Forever Young. Armando stared impatiently at the red light in front of him. He was eager to go home after another long shift. Friday nights were always extra busy for him with all the people requesting rides to bars and restaurants, but this one was especially bad. Lots of rides and almost no one was in the mood to tip. By the end of the night, all he wanted to do was go home and sleep. And now getting home was taking forever. 
Seemed like every light he drove past was red, and his irritation increased each and every time he was forced to stop. Even the radio was annoying him now. He was grumpy. Normally, Armando loved to sing in the car, but today, he turned it off and stood in silence. Another light finally turned green, and Armando listened to the sound of his engine as he accelerated down the street. For a moment, he thought he was going to beat the next light, and then, nope, it also turned red. He sighed. He was on the outskirts of downtown, the beginning of the residential streets. It was almost 5 a.m. The bars were finally closed, and the last of the late-night drinkers were all home or almost home. The streets around him were empty. Armando's cab was the only car at the intersection. Turn green, turn green, turn green, turn green, he chanted in his head. Bang, bang, bang! Startled, Armando jumped in his seat, putting a hand on his chest to calm his now pounding heart. The noise came from a small woman, frantically beating on his passenger side window. Help me! Help me, please! She cried. Heart racing, he rolled down the window. Miss, what's wrong? Please help me, they're after me! Armando scanned around the intersection. Who was after her? There was no one. He also had the flickering thought of, where did this woman come from? He should have seen her moving in his periphery. Please help me, she pleaded again, snapping him back into focus. He pressed the unlock button. Get inside. Thank you. Armando could hear the relief in her voice. She sank into her seat, hunching her shoulders. Long black hair obscured her face from his view. The light turned green. Armando pressed the gas, giving a final look around to search for these mysterious attackers. What's going on, miss? Who's after you? Her voice shook as she again referred to some vague they, saying, They're after me. I need to get home. Would you like me to take you to the police station? No, please just take me home. Armando nodded. He was still shaking. When she pounded on his window, he was mentally already home and in bed. The streets had seemed so quiet, and she'd really startled him. He still couldn't get over the fact that she seemingly came from nowhere. As a cab driver, he felt like he was a pretty observant person, always looking out for dangers in the road, wandering pedestrians and animals, eyes habitually scanning for potential fares. He should have seen her coming, but he didn't. Then he wondered, was he in danger now? Were the people who were after her now following him? He checked in his rearview mirror again. No cars or people in sight. Armando worried that he'd soon have people after him, though. Would he need to request a new license plate or even lease an entirely new cab? No. He was being paranoid. And even if he did have to do all that, should he have done anything differently? Sped away from a woman in distress? He wouldn't have been able to live with himself had he done that. Where's home, miss? He asked as he rolled to a stop at yet another red light. As he looked in his mirror, the woman straightened and now looked directly at him for the first time without any hair in her face. Now Armando's heart pounded for a different reason. She was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Her long black hair flowed down her shoulders and onto her back. Her skin was flawless. It almost seemed to glow in an odd way. She had high cheekbones, full lips, a perfectly symmetrical face, and her large brown eyes seemed to stare directly into his soul. Labor uh, Labyrintho ten las animas, she answered. His mouth opened to close, trying to form a response, but nothing came out at first. He felt like an idiot. He was stunned by her beauty. She smiled as if she was familiar with this reaction from men. Uh, of course, he finally blurted out. I'll get you home safely. No need to worry. He'd have to turn around. Los Animas was in the opposite direction from his apartment. He wasn't getting to bed in a few minutes after all. Oh, well. He couldn't back out on his promise now. He even decided he wouldn't charge this woman for the ride. It didn't feel right to do so with her fleeing for her safety and, well... It wouldn't win him any favors from her, which he cared about a lot more now than making a bit of extra cash. Oddly, she didn't seem at all like the terrified woman he'd met just a few minutes ago. It was like that had never happened. Now she looked relaxed and happy. He wondered, how could someone go from screaming and begging for help to acting like any other passenger so quickly? Something about her felt very strange. Armando was unusually intrigued by her, and her beauty didn't explain all of his interest. Thank you for taking me home. 
Her quiet voice broke the silence. Not everyone would have done that. I appreciate it. Of course. I would never leave someone who needed help. You're a kind man, Armando. Not everyone is like you. Well, thank you, miss. W wait, how did you know my name? She smiled. It's on your name tag. Oh, of course, he thought to himself. He reached his hand up and patted his chest and... Wait, he wasn't wearing his name tag. What was happening? Had he met her before? He didn't recall ever seeing her. She was certainly memorable. He didn't think there was any chance she would have forgotten her face. So how did she know his name? Was she running a scam of some kind? Armando was beginning to get uncomfortable. Perhaps she was into brujeria, and she had some kind of secret knowledge. Armando believed in such things. His superstitious mind, influenced by a strong upbringing and the syncretic faith that we in the States know as folk Catholicism, left him worried she could possibly cast spells, that she could somehow curse him if he offended her. Better not to press her on how she knew his name, he thought. He'd just bring her home and then hurry home himself for a long overdue night of sleep. They were now well within the residential streets of Jalapa. He'd be at her house in less than ten minutes. Despite his concerns with this woman, was she scamming him? Did she have occult knowledge? He was also sad that soon she would be out of his car. He kept sneaking glances at her every few seconds. Her beauty mesmerized him every time he looked. What's your name, miss? Esmeralda, she said. Armando smiled, looking over at her fully now that he didn't have to pay as much attention to traffic. She smiled back, locking eyes with him. He mustered up some confidence he thought he'd lost and decided to try his hand at flirting. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. My mother named me a long time ago now. Not that long ago, Armando chuckled. You're still so young. She sighed. Yes, I suppose. But time passes so fast, doesn't it? Armando made a noise of agreement, not sure how to continue the conversation. He now spotted the road sign for Los Animas. He only had a few moments left with her before she possibly disappeared forever. He passed house number eight, nine, finally stopped at number ten. The house was small and no lights were on. From what Armando could see, with his headlights, the grass was overgrown and the home was in disrepair. The place was a dump. Not at all what he'd expected. His concern for the woman's safety returned. This is your home? He asked. We should meet again, Armando, she responded, ignoring his question and giving him another beautiful smile. I, I, I'd like that. He completely forgot about the dark, dilapidated house outside his car. He forgot about how odd it was that she transformed immediately from a frightened woman being chased by people she never explained, or about how she seemingly appeared out of thin air. None of that mattered now. A beautiful woman wanted to see him. It was a good night after all. And all I could think about was how he wanted to see her too. How about tomorrow? Would you like me to uh, pick you up here at noon? He gawked at her. She was, uh, oh sorry, that was her. How about tomorrow would you like to pick me up here at noon? She asked. He gawked at her. She was actually asking him out. He couldn't believe his luck. He considered himself an okay looking guy, but he knew that she was way out of his league. Esmeralda waited for his response, her eyes questioning. Yes, yes, I I'd love to pick you up tomorrow. Would you like to go to lunch? Instead of answering his question, she said, I should go. My mother will be waiting for me. Of course. Good night, Esmeralda. Without another word, she smoothly exited the cab, leaving the passenger door open behind her. Instead of entering the front door, she strangely went around to the side of the house, disappearing from his view as she turned the corner. He sat in silence, waiting for some sign of confirmation that she was safely inside. Minutes passed and there was nothing. Armando checked his clock. Almost 6 a.m., he needed to go home. He decided she must be okay, and that he didn't know her nearly well enough to go knock on the door and check. So he closed the passenger door and drove off into the night, excited at the possibility of a date the next day. The next day, Armando urgently searched for a co-worker to take his shift. Thankfully, his friend was willing to help him out, leaving him free to take Esmeralda to lunch. Armando drove as fast as he dared to Esmeralda's home. The lights were in his favor this day, all greens. He took that as a good omen. He soon rounded the last corner and pulled up to house number 10. 
In the sunlight, it looked even worse than the night before. The grass was tall, full of weeds. The paint was chipping. The glass on the front windows cracked in places. Again, he didn't see any lights on inside, any signs of life. And there were no cars in the driveway. Didn't Esmeralda say her mother lived with her? Shaking off his curiosity, Armando hopped out of the car, straightened the collar of his shirt, jogged to the front door, and knocked loudly. And the door creaked open. Instead, instead of a beautiful Esmeralda, a tiny old woman stood in front of him. She glared at him with suspicious eyes. This must be Esmeralda's mother. Can I help you? She asked. He peeked behind her into the house. It was dusty, only in slightly better condition than the outside, and no signs of Esmeralda. Good afternoon, ma'am. It's wonderful to meet you. My name is Armando Suarez. I'm here to see your daughter, Esmeralda. She invited me to lunch today and asked me to pick her up here. Her eyes widened. You saw my daughter? Yes, ma'am. I picked her up downtown. She came to my cab and asked for a ride home. Is she ready? I'd love to talk with her. Esmeralda is not here. Armando paused. Oh, uh, well, where is she? Does she have a cell phone number I could reach her at? The woman sighed. She looked tired, a defeated slump to her shoulders. Come inside for a moment. Armando obeyed, stepping inside behind her. The woman shut the door behind them and moved to a bookshelf in the living room. Armando looked around the house. Everything in it was dated. It looked like a time capsule from the 1970s. The woman cleared her throat in front of him. Then she held a picture frame in her hands. Wordlessly, she flipped it over and pried it open, pulling the picture out and handing it to Armando. It was a picture of Esmeralda, just as he'd seen her last. She had the same hair, the same smile. It even looked like she was wearing the same outfit. The picture was a colored photo, but slightly yellowing on the edges, like it was very old. Flip it over, the woman ordered. Esmeralda, 1975, written on the back. Armando did a double take. That was over 30 years ago. This couldn't be real, right? He had just seen Esmeralda a day ago. Young, beautiful, not a single wrinkle on her face. No plastic surgeon was that good. If she was really a 20-something, uh, in 1975, she'd be in her 50s or even 60s by now. I, I don't understand. He ran his thumb over Esmeralda's face in the picture, comparing it to his mental image of her. Maybe he'd met Esmeralda's younger sister or daughter, and she gave a fake name, he told himself. Her mother was confused. Maybe she had dementia. Come, sit. She took the picture from him and ge gestured toward the couch. Hesitantly, he obeyed. You're the tenth man who's come here asking about Esmeralda. Armando asked, Your daughter is very beautiful, ma'am. I know I'm not the first man who's taken her on a date. I'm, I'm not surprised. She was very beautiful, wasn't she? Was? Tell me. What was she like when you saw her? What did she do? Armando hesitated. The woman had a sad look on her face. She seemed desperate for answers. Well, he decided to tell the full truth. She ran up to my cab asking for a ride. She said people were after her, but wouldn't say who. I agreed to drive her home, and she gave me this address. On the drive, we got to talking, and she asked me to pick her up here. She said she wanted to see me again. The woman nodded. That's what every one of you has told me. Armando chuckled nervously. I don't understand what you're getting at, ma'am. Is Esmeralda here? Can I speak to her? Her mother must be confused. He would just talk to Esmeralda and clear all this up. Esmeralda is dead. Armando's eyebrows shot up in disbelief. What? What happened? Did, did she get into an accident? Esmeralda died many years ago. She was downtown, walking at night. I don't know many details. I've never asked. But from what the police told me, I know a group of men came after her. She tried to beg a taxi driver for a ride, but the driver sped off and left her in the street. Those men, I don't know exactly what they did, but they killed my daughter. Armando was speechless. He couldn't believe this. I'm, I'm so sorry. When did this happen? 1975. But I just saw her. She was young, so alive. I know what you saw. You and all the others have seen the exact same thing. I don't understand what you mean. 
I've spoken to a priest about it. He believes Esmeralda's spirit may be stuck here for some reason, repeating the day of her death over and over. Not everyone gives her a ride, I assume, because for so many years only ten people have ever shown up at my door. The first time I heard this story, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a sick joke. But when it happened a second time, a third time, I started to believe it might be real. Armando hesitated for a long while before answering, So you're saying the Esmeralda I saw was... was dead? A ghost? She nodded. They sat in silence for a few minutes. Armando tried his best to wrap his head around what he just learned. Tell me, what did she look like? The woman finally asked. Armando thought for a moment. She looked just like the picture you have. Exactly. Same clothes, too. Her voice was soft. She had a kind smile. Same eyes as you. The woman smiled, tears filling her eyes. Thank you for taking her home. Armando patted her hand. He still wasn't sure exactly what to say. I'm sorry to keep you so long, Armando. This was the only way to explain it to you. It's no problem at all. It's a lot to take in. It, it must be so hard for you. I'm so sorry for your loss. She nodded, holding the front door open for him. Armando stepped out into the yard. Before he left, he turned around, looking at the woman one last time. Have a wonderful day, miss. Call the cab company if you ever need a ride around the city. Ask for Armando. I'll take you wherever you need to go, for free. That was the last Armando would ever see of Esmeralda's mother, and he'd never see the beautiful Esmeralda ever again. How interesting. Mm -hmm. Just like a, yeah, not scary, I don't think, but just like, what? No. Ten times. Mm-hmm. That, that is actually more kind of creepy to me. Like, she just keeps, she's in a loop. Mm-hmm. She's just stuck. Yeah, what a sad loop. Oh, yeah. Doesn't sound good. Mm-mm. Uh, I have a few pictures. Okay. This one is, uh, there, there was a short film based on this legend made uh, in Mexico called The Vanishing Hitchhiker. And this is just a still from that. Just a frightened woman approaching the car. Mm -hmm. And then this next is just a cool illustration I found on Pinterest. Couldn't find the artist's name, but associated, you know, with the same legend. Sure. And then this is how Esmeralda may have looked. I know you recently talked about how hot uh, Penelope Cruz was. She is so hot. So maybe uh, Penel Penelope Cruz vibes. I mean, whew. Can't say no to that. I, I can't even blame you. <laughs> no one's no one's kicking her out of bed. No, no, never. No one in the right mind. No. Well, I mean, I guess there's someone for everyone. And <laughs> so I guess there's not someone right. for everyone. So mm -hmm. maybe she's someone's not someone's cup of tea, but I do love that, like some dorky single guy being like, Get out. You're disgusting. Get out of here. You ugly thing, you <laughs> like what? Get out of here. Uh, uh yeah. That that would be so sad for the mom. Oh actually. my god. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, yes, so sad because you're constantly, well, however many, ta ten times over right. the course of all these years, you're having that memory brought up. Not mm -hmm. that you ever forget, right? No, but, but brought you, up in such an unusual way. Yeah, and you're trying to heal and move forward with your life in whatever yeah. way that you can. So to keep having that happen. But then also, I, I feel like maybe there was some weird comfort in knowing that like, her daughter was trying to come home to her. Yeah. You know, just like, and like, oh, she's so beautiful. She was kind. Like, she's not haunting anyone. Like, maybe there is some bizarre. I'd want, I'd want, I'd, I'd be kind of sad. Like, dang it, I, w I wish I would have been awake to, mm. to see, to see even her ghost, you know, come back. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wonder if you could try and stage it. Like, just work with Armando. Like, mm -hmm. listen, buddy, at this time, what time was it? Okay, yeah, go there. Yeah, keep driving there. Yeah, I'll, I mean, doesn't sound like she has much money based on the yeah. condition of her home, but kind of pay him or bribe him somehow to go back there and, and try and mm -hmm. close the loop. Yep. Let her go. Hmm. Yeek. A little bit sad. A little bit, little bit sad. A little bit sad. <laughs> uh, are, you, uh, are you ready to move on? Ready to head to Scotland? Or do you have more questions on this one? I have no questions, but it did make me think about that haunted Uber situation we had a while ago. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. uh, like a, a passenger getting in with Yeah, a, I think that was like five or six months ago. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. Texas maybe, yeah. 
It made me very uncomfortable with the idea of getting in a Uber. Mm -hmm. Because there was like, was it a rideshare one? I felt like the passenger got in. And the passenger was the haunted person? Yeah. Or was it the driver? I think it was the, it was the passenger. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that there was a second passenger. Oh, man. You know, I think there might be two different stories okay. th- that uh, circle around that. I thought mm-hmm. maybe the driver knew about it. Like, he laughed at the passenger that was freaking out. Remember oh, that kind of? Like, he was... Yeah. Maybe, maybe that story, Seemed like yeah. he kind of knew about it. The passenger was weird and quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think we had that. And then I think we had another one that was a really short one where it was just a, a ghost passenger. Yeah. Interesting. I really wish I had some candy dots right now. Oh, man, you having dot withdrawals. I am. I'm thinking about the last time we sat here was when we recorded the live show, and they were, like, right there. Mm-hmm. I can't eat them on camera anyways, but <laughs> it would be, like, a lot of... No one Joe, wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants that. Oh, Joe oh, Paisley. Oh, man. <gasps> Joe brought in some yes, dots. Yes, Joe, well, I love you. Well, I have a mute, you have a, you have a mute button I have on a your mute side. button. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's see what colors I got. Okay. So after we find out what color, okay, you got uh, what? You got orange. I can see. I got orange, red. Come on, they're stuck in there. You got something else stuck in the box. Ooh, all orange, reds, and pinks. This all is right. pretty good. Oh, yeah, a little baby one. And a little baby one. Okay, that's two, so, four, five. I got gypped. Normally there are seven. So while you begin to enjoy one, okay. uh, we'll head to Scotland. We head northeast of Veracruz, way northeast across the Atlantic after a sponsor break. There are over seventy-five million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Thanks for listening to these sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. Uh, very much appreciated. We love our sponsors, and they offer so many great deals. And now we head to Scotland. Not a lot of setup on this one either. Uh, pretty quickly, we're just going to get into a wild night of driving. Okay. I think a wilder night. Uh, A75 is what's called a trunk road in Scotland, a.k.a. a main road. Oh. It's been connecting uh, Cairn Ryan ferry ports to Gretna, close to the English border, since 1923. And the section of this road running through Kinmont and Dumfries is said to be uh, perhaps the most haunted stretch of pavement in all of the UK, with a wide range of ghost sightings and other paranormal encounters. For a select number of drivers, and no one seems to know how or why they are selected, driving on this highway at night is said to be like driving into another world, a world of nightmares. Reports have included screaming hags, phantoms, even aliens. The hauntings go back to the point a road was created, 
a soldier stationed near Dumfries in World War I, once claimed the area had previously been used by locals to conduct black magic rituals. The A-75 encounter story I'm sharing today, the most known encounter, was reported back in 1962. Time now for a tale called Nightmare Road. Two brothers, Derek and Norman Ferguson, had just enjoyed a tour of Scotland in their father's car for Norman's 14th birthday. They were heading south, home to Anon, where they stopped for fuel at a little petrol station just outside of Dumfries. With only about 15 miles left to drive, they were both tired and ready to be quickly done with their trip. But there would be nothing quick about those last final 15 miles. That home stretch would turn out to be the most horrifying miles they would ever travel on this trip or any other. It was late evening, and the road was exceptionally dark on a cloudy night, save for the odd street lamp that would bathe small circles of the road in its orange light. It was also quiet. For several minutes, they'd been the only people on the road. Just as they hit Dumfries, both men were startled out of their quiet, relaxing night ride, and they jumped bolt upright in their seats as they heard a screech. A chicken, or at least some chicken-like bird, was flying straight for their windscreen, causing Derek to swerve. Windshield. I don't know if that's a, a local term for a windshield. <laughs> uh, uh, at 22 years old, he had never encountered something like that while driving before, and he struggled to catch his breath and get the car back under control. It scared the hell out of him. After checking to make sure his little brother Norman was okay, he got himself driving straight again, only for a moment later to have an old woman appear out of nowhere. Seemingly terrified, screaming, running straight at the front of the car with her long gray hair flying behind her, her arms outstretched in front of her as if she were trying to stop the oncoming vehicle with her hands. What in the world? Derek almost screamed as, he, as the car hit the poor woman head on. Both men felt the bump as the woman went down, and both men were panicked and visibly shaking after Derek slammed on the brakes and brought the car to a screeching halt. Derek felt like he was about to start crying as he tried to compose himself before getting out of the car. He reached a hand over to his little brother to try and somehow comfort him. Seconds later, the two scrambled out of the car and onto the side of the road to check the, on the woman. Derek was sure he killed her. She'd be dead, and any hopes he'd had of, uh, for his future before this moment would be dead along with her. Running around to the front of the car, the two were struck with another kind of terror altogether when they looked for where she had to have been, and they found absolutely nothing. The road was clear both ways, there was no one around, and there was definitely no one under the front wheels of the car. There were no signs of blood or any other indication that a terrible accident had just taken place. Derek began to look around frantically, running over to the roadside, checking in amongst the trees and shrubbery a bit to be certain there was no one. Norman pulled at his own hair as he tried to fathom what could have just happened. There had definitely been a woman. They both saw and heard her clear as day. Norman called for his brother. Let's just get back in the car. There's no one here. Yeah, I, I guess there isn't. As they got back in the car, both men took a minute to confirm that they weren't indeed individually losing their minds and comparing what they had just seen before Derek nervously began to drive again. Within minutes, more noises could be heard and now a goat ran out into the road, once again causing Derek to swerve, gripping the steering wheel as if his life depended on it. At this point, he was almost certain it did. As soon as the car screeched to the side, the goat, like the woman, seemingly disappeared into thin air. It's trying to kill us, Derek thought. Something out here is trying to kill us. It wants us to swerve off the road and crash. It's trying to get me to swerve off the road and crash. Later, several years later, he would find out that there was an yeah. He would find out that there was an extremely abnormal amount of fatal crashes along this particular stretch of road. Almost all of them at night. What the hell's going on? Derek shouted through tears, asking no one in particular at this point. They got back in the car and drove more slowly now. More creatures kept appearing in the road. Derek did his best to not swerve, to avoid them, but it was instinctual. He kept wondering, what if the one time he doesn't swerve, what if that's the time it's real? 
His white knuckles gripped the steering wheel so tightly he felt like he was making permanent indentations in it. Glancing over at his brother, he could see Norman clutching the bottom of the passenger seat and looking as wide as a ghost. Norman would later tell him he looked the same. They still had around 12 miles to go. All of this had occurred over just a few miles. Both of them now felt overcome with feelings of dread and despair. They began to wonder if they were going to make it home alive. As thoughts of impending doom passed through Derek's mind, once again he was bracing himself for another collision and jerking the steering wheel as a man now ran towards the car, just as the old woman had before. His arms also outstretched in front of him, screaming so loudly the brothers could feel the noise ringing inside them. Just as with everything else before him, after, the felt, after they felt the car hitting him, after even feeling the thump-thump of running over his body with both the front and rear tires, the man vanished. Again, they stopped the car just to make absolutely certain they hadn't killed someone. They got out and again searched, although this time they didn't expect to find a body. The road was so quiet. They hadn't encountered any other drivers in the last several miles. Not since it had all began. It's like they'd driven in some parallel dimension. After they got back into the car, Derek decided to just stay parked on the road and let it idle for a few minutes. He desperately needed to catch his breath, slow down his heartbeat, and try to clear his head a little. Norman was sobbing now. The poor kid was scared out of his mind. They both waited for something new to run out into the road, something paranormal that would then vanish before them. And then, just as they were hoping that maybe they'd already experienced the worst the road had to throw at them, the air became so dense around them you could cut through it with a knife. And an invisible force could suddenly be felt. It felt like something in between a strong gust of wind and a big breaker wave crashing onto the beach, as if the air were somehow as dense as water. The force did not disappear quickly as the other phenomenon had. It suddenly hit the car hard, both men holding on to whatever they could as they felt the impact. The car flew up into the air several feet, then violently crashed back down, and then this happened again, and again, and again. A series of unseen waves rocking them towards some distant shore they couldn't see. Both were now hysterical. They felt like they had lost their minds. After the strange sensation ended, and they'd been swept back down the road 50 or 60 feet, they considered getting out of the car and walking home, but the horrors of the road seemed so much more terrifying outside of the vehicle than in it. We just need to push through, Norman finally said to his brother. Just drive, and just keep driving until we're home. Derek knew his brother was right. It was their best option, their only real option. So, he lifted his shaking hand back up to the key, turned it in the, in the ignition, pressed his foot down as hard as he could. The speed limit was the least of his concerns now. There had been so much on the road this night, but another vehicle still hadn't been one of those things. But then about five miles down the road, right when Derek was starting to relax just a little bit and began to let his guard down, thinking it was all going to be okay, he saw what seemed to be a large van up ahead. And it looked as if it was driving in their lane right towards them. He veered over into the oncoming traffic lane, and then the vehicle up ahead mirrored his movement. He hoped it was another phantom, another illusion that would pass through them, but what if it wasn't? What if the driver of this van was every bit as scared as he was? What if the same malevolent energy of the area was manipulating the other driver as well, just like it was manipulating him? What if it was intentionally putting both vehicles on some sort of collision course? He veered back into his lane again, and again the van mirrored his movements. We're gonna hit it, he screamed at his brother, and then he hit the brakes. Hold on! Norman put his head in his hands and tried to brace himself for impact. Derek slammed on the brakes, and then BOOM! A jarring jolt passed through both young men. But it was not accompanied by smashing metal or broken glass. Nothing. No collision, and now... No more van. Again, it was just the two of them in their father's car sitting in the center of the highway in the middle of the night. Neither could even speak now. They didn't have the words. Both were so close to their breaking points, Derek had no idea how he'd still be able to drive the car. Once he regained some semblance of composure, 
He sped up to somewhere around the speed limit and now drove the final three or four miles, Derek clutching the steering wheel in his death grip again, Norman grabbing the edge of his seat with the same fear-based intensity as before. A few minutes later, finally, they were pulling into their parents' driveway. They stumbled out of the car, walked into the house on shaky legs. Derek considered calling the police, but then he thought, what would be the point? Either they wouldn't believe him, or they would, but then what could be done of it? He knew that what they'd experienced was undoubtedly something supernatural, but he called anyway. Even if nothing could be done, he just needed to tell someone. To his horror and amazement, the police officer he spoke with ended up informing him that this was not an isolated incident. Others had reported similar events. Another driver had called just before he did. The driver of a van. A van exactly like the one Derek had described driving straight through. Derek's stomach sank. And the officer said that driver had reported his van passing through a car that disappeared. A car described as looking exactly like Derek's father's car. Derek felt sick when he got off the phone. He wanted the cop to think he was crazy. He wanted to believe he and his little brother had just experienced some kind of group hallucination. But it was real. Whatever it was, it was real. He and his brother had both questioned what actually happened that night ever since they lived through it. What strange forces surround that stretch of A-75 and why? Derek doubts he'll ever get the answers they crave. That is so weird. Mm-hmm. That there was another driver mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the van, or like there was someone driving a van, rather. Right. And that they had like a similar feeling that they drove <sighs> through Derek's car and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. Then it made me think like, are Derek and his brother dead? No, I mean, I mean no, I mean they're not. Uh, but right. like some weird like premonition, or that's so bizarre. How is that possible? If both cars were real, how could they drive through each other? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like uh, just like a who knows what's going on there. Like a, I don't even think that's a hallucination. It's it's almost like if you told me that like uh, spirits could take on other forms, I would right. feel like it was a weird, like, car doppelganger. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, what a bizarre thing. I've never, ever, ever thought about a haunted vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, or, what, and was it a haunted vehicle? If the other driver was real, was it just like this thing was just messing with them and somehow and just making them see things uh, that were real but not as they... But not as they are. Not as they are in that moment. I know. And making I, them see things that are not real. I don't know. Do we... I don't feel like that's a concept we've really explored. Mm, the, the, like, like, like the, the, can can the spirit world? Could I just be driving down the street and then the spirit world world is like, watch this trick we're gonna play on Lindsay, <laughs> and then they like like put just another car in the road that is not really there, but I see it and it looks real and it is three dimensional and all mm-hmm. the things, but then like it just poof disappears. And this is even like a layer beyond that, where this is making you see a car that looks real and is real, but not. You're not seeing it where it is in like the right uh, Wait, is, space and time. Right, right. Is it like a what is that a space time continuum? No, that's like yeah, a, it is like, like a glitch it, in the matrix. Yeah, kind of thing? It, it is like this place is bending space and time. If the if the story is to be believed, like that there is something they, just warping. But they drove when through the car. Like they thought, they thought they did. They they drove well, so through did the a, other people. The, right. So that that's where I get more yeah. of like it feels like the spirit world made something. Mm. What what what's to say that they can't? True. I mean, they don't have to only play with the things that exist already. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that the other car also called in. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, aye. Ee, ee. Do you think that all of those spirits are just in a weird loop? Or or even is it spirits? Is it even spirits? Is it just something else? Some other thing? Some other mystery? Um, like the people running out to the road, are those even like spirits? Uh, or just more kind of like uh, manufactured hallucinations or something? Mm. I don't know. Mm. What if in the spirit world, in this other 
plane. Yeah. They can just create whatever they want to mess with us. Yeah. What if they, yeah. What, what if they're if, like, oh my God, this is so fun. Mm-hmm. This is like their form of entertainment. This is them going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, on in tonight's showing, we're going to put out like one donkey, one lady, <laughs> uh, two right. scary guys, uh, invisible car. Like, what? I know. It, it does make me think of that. Those people who have those theories about like the Matrix, about we're living in some like virtual reality simulator. And there's like there's some big controller who, who is just like tweaking things. Yeah. And then when people go to investigate it later, he's like, nope, I'm going to leave it on normal setting now. Or when people take out their cameras, like, no, nah, just gonna leave it on normal setting now. Hmm. And just to like just give little hints of things being cra- I don't know. Just yeah, lots yeah. of weird thoughts. So many weird thoughts. Uh, a few pictures. Okay. Uh this first one's a picture of that uh Kinmount uh straight section of Scotland's A seventy five where the uh sightings are, you know, where they happen, this one little fifty mile stretch of the road. And they happen at night only? Is that kind uh, of a theory? I don't know. Okay. I'd just be talking to my ass if I guessed, yeah. Okay. Uh, this next one, cool picture featured in an article on Scotland's Haunted Road. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a cool picture. I mean, obviously, that's like some reenactment. But mm-hmm. Just reminds me Ooh. of like, uh, you know, the people he was hitting and then not hitting. and That would yeah. be so terrifying. <laughs> that would be. I was in a car once with someone who hit a dog. Mm-hmm. The dog was fine. Um, but it is like a very impactful sound and very specific feeling. A very kind of like thump. Oh, my God. And I just can't yeah. imagine. They kept getting yeah. out of the car to check. Ugh. I wouldn't. I mean, after the first time. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be getting back out of the car. And also, why not turn around and just go back? Right. That's. I was also wondering, like, you don't actually have to press on. I was not laughing at the uh, the dog there. I was laughing. I, I just remembered. I almost never remember dreams. Uh-huh. Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night. had trouble sleeping. The yeah. dogs were so, they were like, pinning the blankets on me. I was so hot. <laughs> so I had to cool down. And then I was, like, a little hungry. So I got a, a granola bar. Mm. Uh, one of those little Nature Valley. Monroe loves those. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had one in forever. Went back and went to bed. And then I woke up again. And this is, almost never happens to me. Where you wake up out of, like, a, a kind of a bad dream nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like a crazy, crazy nightmare. It was, um, I was driving. Maybe the story was in my head because I was working on this a little bit last night. But I was driving and, <laughs> you know, dreams are so weird. Yes. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of toddlers on the road. <laughs> and, and and like, like just playing as they would on the floor of a daycare. Yeah. And I don't know if I was in a hurry in the dream, but I was like, oh, this is annoying. And I was kind of like weaving through them, but I was driving too fast. And then at the end, there was two little toddlers and they were like laying on the ground. I'm like, I think I can just drive over them, but like in the middle of the car. <laughs> Oh, oh, so that like your tires go on either side of them? them, And And then you didn't? And then I heard the thump. Oh, no. And then I saw that one of the toddlers wasn't moving behind me. And I was like, oh, my God, I just ran over a baby. And then I was like, I should just keep driving. And then I don't want to get caught. And then I woke up being like, you're such a piece of shit. You just did a hit and run on a baby in your dream. Oh, my God. And then then I had to like, then I woke up and had to tell myself in real life, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to, this isn't a reflection of who I am. Um, I never remember dreams. It must have been. It must have been something with a story. Wonder, That's a weird coincidence. But also toddlers. Yeah. Why? Why were the bunch of babies in the road? Why, why, <laughs> why I, are you dreaming about babies, you creep? And then I just thought, like, why did I slow down? Why was I in such a hurry? Why? Because you're always in a hurry. It's a metaphor for your life. Oh my God. Maybe you're in such a rush. But I should have stopped and be like, hey, you should stop, get these babies out of the road. You should stop and smell the roses. Should stop and move those babies. You should stop and high five a toddler. Stop and get the babies out of the road. Well, how weird. But yes, yeah, so weird. I totally forgot about it. Just Me, okay, well, we are. Yeah, it actually woke me up. We are watching you. Uh-huh. And so maybe the combination of this season of you. That's I, what it was. I don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. But there is 
death. I mean, if you watch that series, you know that there's murder. Yeah, there's no secret that in the show, uh, there. I mean, it just says in the trailer and stuff like that that the main character is a murderer, right? And is uh, constantly, you know, trying to get away with murder, right? And, th- well, and this covering season, things up. So I wonder, like, that is, maybe that was in my head too because we watched it right before we went to bed, right? And in this season, Joe and Love have their baby now. Mm-hmm. So, and there are like, oh, yeah. they were at a toddler's birthday party. Oh, like, yeah. it could just be like a weird. Or maybe I want to run over some babies. I mean, secretly. I mean, and I'm just not willing to accept that about myself. Maybe maybe some dark subconscious part of me is like, God, I wish I could run over some babies. You wouldn't run over a baby. I, I don't think so. But maybe, maybe. But the... do you just want to like see like its head pop off or like Oof. what? Why did you have to take it there? Because I want to know what's wrong with you. <laughs> no, I don't want to rip a poor baby's head off. Like... I just want to, I just want to cleanly run it over. Oh, oh. In a, in a not gross... No, I don't want to run over babies. I don't know why any of that <laughs> came to my head. But I think, I, think you, I think you figured it out. I think the combination of this story and the episode of you we watched yeah. sunk into my head. I feel better now. You're welcome. One last photo. Okay, sorry about that. This has nothing to do with the story. This is groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. I just love this character, and often when I'm in Scotland in a setting, I just think of Willie. Wait, oh, oh, I was like, you've never been to Scotland. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Often when I'm in Scotland, you mean Such zero times? No, when I'm thinking about Scotland. Like I, 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 know, I get it now. Yeah. Do you think that if we go to Scotland, mm-hmm. that they would appreciate you dressing up like that? Mm, well, I have Scottish heritage. Maybe I can. Maybe I can get away with it. Maybe, I, um, but probably not. Are you going to put "I or die" on your chest? <laughs> I or die. Um, get like no. a big fat tattoo. <laughs> I just remember there was some episode where he like he got framed and he like ended up. I think he ended up going to prison or whatever. And then mm-hmm. it was like there was like yeah, but we were joking. He was like uh, everybody knew it was a joke. Everybody but Willie. <laughs> He's, his life is ruined. <laughs> Are you going to talk like that when we're in Scotland? Mm, probably. Oh, boy. I know. You do have a... The kids and I love it. God, it is so funny to us. You, like, pick up weird accents. Like like a piece of, like a bad... I, I won't do it correctly. No, I'll do no. a shitty version of it. And you don't even mean to. Right. I think, like, you're just trying... I'm trying to be respectful. I'm trying to pronounce the words as they pronounce them. You're trying to mimic it back, <sighs> and it's... The, the kids and I... We're, we were somewhere that was Spanish-speaking, and the kids and I... We're like, we would be nudging each other, I know, trying like, not are, to like doing? cry. We were laughing so mm-hmm. hard. But you were like, what? I didn't what even I? know I was doing that. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I'm on vacations when we got places. Yep. I just, uh, I didn't realize I did it. I wonder what would happen if we were in France. Oh, man. That's, so to get that's a little not... bit of a French accent. I don't know. That's not oh. even French. I was like Russian or something. <laughs> I, 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 did, I didn't do the fingers. We oui, will. Oui. Oh, would you like to do sandwich? I would like some cheese and wine. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, God. You're funny. You're a funny yeah. guy. <laughs> You're a fine, funny guy. You should think about that. Oh, God. Okay. I was just envisioning you with like a beret. It's just like really yeah. taking it too far. I love uh, I love how like if you're – okay, if, if you're not super cultured about one country, like there's a few things of every – country that will have like um their calling card for somebody who really is ignorant about the country right and i live with like france it's just like beret and then like the long cigarette uh-huh. and then the white and black striped shirt like i'm sure no one has dressed like that in 50 years mm-hmm. over there and probably no one ever did it was probably like a, from a movie or something right and then like baguettes and wine from, like an american in paris or something yeah and like yeah. baguettes and wine and cheese it's like but there I'm, are there there is a lot of there is wine that. cheese bread but I'm sure that's a sliver of their overall culinary. And it's like, but like, I love how in, in Americans, kind of like with Germans, it's like, um, you know, sausage and sauerkraut. Uh-huh. And beer. And beer. And then in France, it's just like, one and cheese and some baguettes. Mm. And then the little finger, you know, thrown a wee-wee. What is it for Americans? I, I want to see what you say, oh, and then I'll tell for, you. For Americans, to be like, I like my guns. 
that that would be like the European mocking us. Okay, so my mm-hmm. my friend Poppy. Yeah. She would And I know that just from going to school over there a long time ago, it was just like that was their stereotype was yeah, well, my friend Poppy, who yeah. is British, like born and raised there and then moved to America, yeah. she would go, I'm American. I like cheese. I like guns. And, like, that was her. <laughs> I'm American. Okay. <laughs> but, right. was, but not American. American. Like, American, yeah. It was yeah. so funny to me. I would do, like, cheese would, and guns. There would be, like, her funny, her, like, British accent kind of yeah. pe- popping through. So <laughs> great. It's like, oh, okay, that's what you think of us? Yep. Yeah. Everybody does it. I know. Yeah, it's like, it's, it, there's... Yeah, it's a silly, it's, it's fun. A stereo- stereotypes exist because there's some thread of truth in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, often, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like we fucking do like guns <laughs> and cheese. Yeah, culturally, exactly. Yeah. Oh God. We okay. like it. We like a cheese casserole. Oh my God, casseroles are really more of like a Midwest thing. Oh, they're not. I thought that was just America in general. No. Not everyone grew up in casseroles with mm. lots of cheese in them. I don't think so, Joe. Did you grow up on casseroles? Hell yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Okay. It would it- go, my mom would go through phases. Is it a poor thing? Because all three of uh, us were poor. Tater tots and cheese. Hell yeah. Okay, that's the difference. So, uh, like, uh, Idaho, because the two mm-hmm. of you are from Idaho, tater tots, cheese casserole. Mm-hmm. Our casseroles were like, oh, my God, my mom, I could still eat this. I could throw down on some chicken in a garden. It's like, uh, what? It's, yeah, exactly. It's chicken and bags of frozen vegetables and, like, a cup of mayonnaise okay. and some cream of whatever. And then you throw that in the oven and then you pull it back out. And then you put like those French's onions on top. Oh yeah, it's delicious. I'll, I'll match your recipe with one more before, right before you get in the story. Okay. This is quick. If you want the the casserole, probably Joe's talking about the one that I definitely had. He man. The he yeah. You just get a frozen bag of a uh, pound of tater tots. It's either a pound or two pounds, depending on how many tots you want. <laughs> okay. And you get one pound of hamburger. And then you just put the hamburger on the bottom of a casserole dish, one of those rectangle. Mm-hmm. Pyrex know. dish. Oh, I know it. Yep. And then you just put salt and pepper on top of the hamburger, and it's thawed. And then you put... Um, you put it in there raw? Raw. Yep, oh. You put it in there raw. And then you put um, salt and pepper on top. And then you put cream of mushroom soup on top of that. And then you put green beans, French cut style... Hold on. Hold on. French style cut green beans on top of that one can. Then the tater tots frozen on top of that. And then you bake the whole thing in the oven at 400 degrees for 45 minutes. I am guessing... Yeah. That the meat is cooked nope. first. I've d- I've made this many times and it's have definitely got, not. Have you gotten sick? Nope, because it's cooked by the time it's done. Don't fuck with my recipe. I am gonna call your mom after this because well, that she is will like, back me up. That is some weird version of shepherd's pie, actually cottage pie. I think mm-hmm. shepherd's I believe is lamb and cottage is beef. But you cook it first, and then the reason that you're putting it in the oven is to meld it all together. But the beef is cooked, and then nope. you put it across the bottom. I'm nope. calling your mom. I gotta well, figure this it's out. All, it's all um, it's, we, be, we simplified it. That would be weird. No, it's not weird. It's good. No, because like that, I don't. I think you would get sick. Nope. All that like meat juice runoff would end up in your tater tots. Yeah. The, the raw flavoring. The raw meat isn't supposed to be on top of the potatoes. It's not. It's on the bottom. Well, the potatoes are on top of the meat. Whatever. It's still like it's all cooked. It's fine. I don't think so. I've eaten, I've eaten it that way so many times. I'm I'm calling your mom. Okay. His mom's so. gonna back him up. The casserole's also gonna back him up. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you guys get it. Funny guy. <laughs> Well, I will never make that for you. Okay. I, I do make right. you tuna noodle casserole. Yes, it's I delicious. think that's universal. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm starving. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, now, are you ready to talk about some scary stuff? Yes. Are you ready to focus on scary stuff? I'm ready. Okay, great. Do you think the smiling man likes casseroles? Probably. Who doesn't? Communists? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Commies. Oh, okay. Well, we haven't talked about this spoopy character in a really long time. And so when I saw that our fan, Anthony, who wrote in, had two stories of the smiling man, I thought that was a home run. What would you do if you saw the smiling man? I'd lose my mind. I think so, too. I think it would break me. 
Like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. He says, um, oh, that's, that's what I said. Ah, my name is Anthony B. And I know Dan doesn't like pointless details in a story. <laughs> But I should first preface this with, I'm just starting binging all of the podcasts after, after starting with Is We Dumb. Now, not only am I a dummy, but a creeper and slowly getting into Time Suck, which I believe are space lizards, right? You are right. There are space lizards in Time Suck, uh, yes. It's a, it's a secret group within Time Suck, within okay. the meat sacks. I heard that there are other stories. Um, I heard that there were other stories about the smiling man, so I had to email in. Now, with all that said, it's time for me to tell you about my two encounters with the smiling man. Encounter one. It was probably about 10 p.m. as I was leaving my friend's house, driving home alone. My friend lives in the middle of the woods, like the closest neighbor is about five or 10 minutes driving away. Mm -hmm. No one should be out walking at any hour of the day. So anyways, I'm driving home and I could see an outline of a person in my headlights up ahead, which I already was thinking was weird. I slowed down just enough so that I could get a good look because mostly, what the fuck? But also fast enough that I didn't let this person get anywhere near my car. As I got closer, I noticed that his head was down and he was wearing what looked like a brown suit or a suit with a brown coat or something over it. And as I started to pass him, he turned to me and continued to make eye contact with me as I drove by. And that is when I noticed his smile, almost ear to ear, whitest teeth, just grinning and staring at me. As I passed by him, he's now in the pitch black. I put my foot ever so lightly on the brake so that the way behind me was illuminated so that I could see if I had just imagined this or not. I didn't, because now he was standing in the middle of the road, arms at his side, smiling at me. Naturally, I sped away because I may be a creeper, but I've listened to enough scared to death to know that Lindsay would tell me to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I immediately called my friend and asked him where his closest neighbor was and explained to him what had happened. He thought I was playing some kind of trick on him because he confirmed his closest neighbor was a short drive away and they were on vacation. I thought this was the only time I would see the smiling man, but I was wrong. Encounter number two. Hmm. After about three years from the first encounter with the smiling man, I had entirely forgotten about it. I was driving home from a different friend's house. This person thankfully lived near the downtown area, and so there were plenty of people around. As I'm driving through downtown, I look to my right, and there he is again. Same smile, ear to ear, same clothes, same eerily white teeth. Except this time, he isn't just staring at me. This time, he's waving at me, as if he's happy to see me. The light turned green, and instead of continuing home, I decided to do a loop back around to see if he was still standing there waving. Maybe it was some kind of mascot outside of a business or something. It took me maybe 30 seconds, no more, to loop back around to our small downtown. As I made the loop, I almost stopped breathing because the smiling man was nowhere to be seen. There was nowhere he could have gone that I wouldn't have seen him going. Even if it was down one of the alleys or into a building where he had stood waving at me, he would have had to either vanish into thin air or be faster than light because I would have seen him at any point as I made the loop. That was about two years ago. I thought he was all a figment of my imagination, some anxiety or something my brain conjured up, and I always just laughed it off until I was at work today and I heard Dan tell the stories he had found about the smiling man. I'm a creeper, loud and proud, but to this day, I've never felt more uncomfortable than those two times I encountered the smiling man. 
Now I'm going to be worried I'm going to be abducted by aliens or something. If I do, I'll be sure to follow up with another email. Keep creeping and peeping. Best spooks, fellow creeper, Anthony B. Anthony B. Yeah, thank you for those stories. That was a, that was an early episode of Scared to Death. Really when early. We talked about the smiley man, the, the grinning man, sometimes called, and it's like the yeah. uh it's kind of like a mm, akin a little bit to like black-eyed kid sightings where it's like this it's, oh. it's this entity that like we're like black-eyed kids the identifying feature is always obviously the black eyes. Right. And then the grinning man the uh, consistent identifying feature is always the uh like crazy grin where it's like it's not a normal mouth. It's like too right. big. Yeah, like a like a you know caricature of kind of a mouth on someone's face. And it and and people who are really into the kind of like this type of lore some of them speculate that they're both um, possibly like extraterrestrial origin. Oh. They're well, two separate little creatures or related creatures. So I don't know. Where does the hat man play in? Because when I think of the gritting man. The hat man is related to shadow men or shadow but, people. But I think, see, I, I guess I go more that way where I'm like hat man, shadow, shadow people, smiling person. That all that feels more connected to me, but I guess I think with the grinning man, they tend to be seen like out and about, uh, right? As, as opposed, opposed to, to like, like in your home. house or like uh, or appearing and then disappearing inside your home. It's more like they show up kind of like out in public. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's all like it's it's, it's very hard to categorize things that nobody knows a whole lot about. Well, if somebody has a story yeah. about seeing the smiling man or grinning man at mm. home with them, mm. that would be potentially fascinating. Yeah, what a what a scary entity. Which is just that I'm I'm flashing on pictures now that we posted a long time ago. Yeah, but just that maniacal, huge grin. What if? Because I have a big smile. What mm-hmm. if one day I smiled at you and, and my face Breep. just pulled back? Yee. Yeah, that'd be scary. You'd be a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if you woke up and I was like pinning you down on top of you with that smile? No, that'd be very very scary. I'd be very worried for my safety. That's so tough. I want to. Play tricks on you so badly. <laughs> um, that that uh, the, when he started telling the story, when Anthony was talking about the person, like uh, his friend, living way out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. like a five mile or five minute drive from any other house, and there shouldn't be anybody walking around there. It reminded me of this kid, Alan Damon, who uh, I went to school with. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> where Riggins is obviously very rural, and he lived like twelve miles outside of Riggins, this little neighborhood called Pollock. And he would just like, and then there was like parties and little roads in the areas, like mm-hmm. up in the hills, and he just would. It didn't matter, like, if it was, like, 15 miles, he would just walk to places or he'd get mad, at, you know, at a party or would get mad at some friends or whatever and then just leave and then just start walking home or, or walking to the place. And it, so it could be, like, late at night. But I remember um, some other friends used to um, just crack up. I never actually saw him, but several times uh, some friends of mine, they'd be, like, driving to a party, whatever, and they'd be, like, one in the morning, two in the morning, and then here's Alan just, like, out walking but the road or, even better, uh, running. Sometimes full-on sprinting on the side of the road. <laughs> and just how jarring that would be if you had no idea who he was. Right, if you, for some reason, were just passing through town. Yeah, yeah, if you're just, like, driving through that like this dead, you know, deserted kind of little, you know, seldom-used highway at night, especially. Mm-hmm. And get some, like, you know, 18-wheeler traffic a little bit during the day, but it's very quiet at night. And then all of a sudden, you know, in some lonely corner, there's no houses around. Oh, God. And you just see some dude just running along the side of the road, like not hitchhiking. No, just moving along. Mm-hmm. J- yep, just like just running running down the road. That was, would be weird. That would be weird because I was even kind of like, what is that guy doing? A couple weeks ago, I was driving Monroe home from softball, like 830 at night. It's dark. And this guy's out running with his dog, which mm-hmm. I'm like, 
I don't think that's safe. It gets really dark around here. And he didn't right. have any reflective clothing on. Like yeah. I'm like, hmm, what are you thinking? I know. Some, some, I had that happen on the road the other morning when I was uh, coming into work early. And some it was raining. And it was really like uh, heavy rain and like low clouds. And so mm. visib- visibility was poor. Mm-hmm. And this guy dressed all in black on his bike in the road, no reflective stuff. And I'm like, do you, do you want to get hit? Right. Like if you get hit. It's going to be hard to feel sorry for you. I know. What are you thinking? It's like you're trying to. Yeah. Well, also, like, I get it. You're dedicated to whatever you're training for, but also maybe you want to wait till, like, the sun comes up or, like, maybe you skip today because it is so (laughs) fucking torrential and you don't own any reflective clothing. (laughs) Right, right. People make me bananas. Okay. Well, I I mentioned before that I wanted to give a big trigger warning up top in this story. It kind of happens right at the top of the story. So if you, uh, it's an animal death. So I just want to, like, say that it's. I left out some details and it's still a lot to take in, but I felt like it is important to the story because it explains this character in the story, like their possible possession and the difference between who they were under that versus Mm -hmm. who they are. Mm, So it seemed relevant. Um, And obviously the person who wrote in the story thought it was pertinent. Otherwise Mm -hmm. they would not have included it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, if that is something that you need to skip over, I would say, uh, you could skip ahead like three minutes and and hopefully you'll be okay. Um, now, when we talk about stories about like possessions and all of that, the outcomes are always a little up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, is the person okay? I mean, we had a story a couple weeks ago where that woman was possessed that mm-hmm, you told mm-hmm. and then she was like cured. She was fine. Yeah. She went on yeah. to live a normal life. Down in the Philippines. Yeah. I'm trying to remember her name right now. But yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I find that taking that, thought into this story about like what happens when you're no longer possessed or oppressed by something because mm-hmm. it's hard to tell what's going on here and then so we have that element but then also we have this weird like doppelganger-esque thing in this house but it's like a shapeshifter hmm. it's very bizarre so follow closely about what is going on here i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts at the end okay and i just want to get out of my head clarita villanueva maybe that was the person who was possessed and and then that's not the one who solved her own case that was like a different, that was a murder. Yeah, that, that was a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, yes. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. feel like her name was similar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this story is entitled The Imposter. Okay. Your majestic king and queen of the suck. I'm a big fan of y'all. I'm a huge creep. But even my mother, who abhors horror in all forms, has become a little bit of a peeper due to scare to death. Oh. I'm very grateful to you folks for scaring the pants off each other so I can finally enjoy some good spooks with my mommy. I, <laughs> I thought it couldn't be done. I come to you as a chronic skeptic. Not even my own eyes are enough to convince me of the paranormal, though they've seen enough. I've lived in a very strange house for most of my life, so I've got a tale of my own. My parents and siblings moved to the house before I was born. By all accounts, they were an ordinary family, a boy and two girls, a mom and a dad. As soon as they got to the house, though, strange activities began taking place. Routine poltergeist stuff. My father witnessing balls of paper being thrown down the stairs into the living room when he was the only person home. A cordless phone flew across the room once. My father saw a specter of a little girl. And a plastic bag was ripped out of my mom's hands by some spectral force, That and this was witnessed by a room full of people. Once, while folding laundry, my mother saw my father come up the stairs and walk toward the bedroom she was in. He, he stopped at the door. She greeted him, and then he dissipated. <gasps> She said, huh, I guess it wasn't you, and resumed folding laundry. Oh, my God. 
Finally, one day when she was doing dishes alone in the house, she had to leave to take a phone call. And when she returned, several of the spoons were bent. This was the final straw for my mother. She yelled, I don't care if you're here, but you can't wreck my shit. (laughs) The poltergeist activity ceased permanently. Normalcy did not resume, however. My father was no longer the man I've heard he once was. He became incredibly violent, beating my siblings and mother, throwing her down the stairs and choking her. The family dog growled at him once, and so he taped its muzzle shut, tied it up, and beat it to death. Hardly typical behavior from what was known as a once kind, family-oriented man. But that was before my time. I only ever knew him as this monster. There are bad people in the world, Mm. people who have latently abusive tendencies. I don't mean to excuse this by implying possession or some malevolent forces are the only possible explanation to this scenario, but the demonic growl of a voice that I grew up with makes me wonder if he was more than just your average abuser. Let's skip forward to my teenage years. I'm in my upstairs bedroom reading. My grandmother is over. She is barely mobile. The trip upstairs to the bathroom is arduous and takes her about 10 minutes. I can hear her slowly ascending, every step laborious. But she makes it to the bathroom and then comes to stand in my doorway. I greet her cheerfully, but she does not respond. She only glares at me. She looks furious with me. She looks like she hates me. I ask her if everything's okay. Again, she does not respond. Then she starts shaking, trembling like she's having some sort of seizure or fit, but her eyes never leave mine. She takes a step forward as if to enter my room, but it's like she runs into some invisible barrier or force field. Then she turns and runs down the stairs. My barely mobile grandmother, who takes 10 minutes going up and down the stairs, zoomed down those stairs faster than I could have. I was extremely shaken by this event and stayed put in my room for about five minutes. But then this sensible skeptic part of my head guilted me into going to check on her. I thought she just had to have some kind of fit and then probably fell down the stairs. She's going to need help if she's even still alive. I went downstairs to find her sitting at the kitchen table chatting with my mother. I asked her if she was okay and she responded only with confusion. Why wouldn't I be? She asked. Oh, just the way you ran down the stairs had me worried. I replied uncomfortably. Oh, I don't run, honey. (laughs) She laughed. My mother confirmed that she'd been sitting in the kitchen the whole time and had not gone to the bathroom at all during her visit. The next experience I had was in the middle of the night. I was asleep and woke up to see my mother in my room, watching me. (sighs) It wasn't uncommon for her to poke her head into my room to make sure I had actually gone to sleep and wasn't secretly reading through the night. I just laid still and watched her through half-open eyes. She continued to watch me for at least 20 minutes before leaving and going to bed herself. It struck me as abnormally long time to be checking on me, so I asked her about it the next day. Hey, did you come in my room last night? I thought I heard something. I didn't want to betray how long I had watched her watch me. Was I naked? She laughed because I slept naked last night. (laughs) I can tell when my mother is lying, and her casual, flippant answer convinced me that she was not lying. I had sort of gotten it into my head that whatever this thing was that had previously masqueraded as my grandmother couldn't enter my room based on how it seemed repelled before. Whatever had kept it out before, though, was no longer in place. Perhaps it had been some item broken by my father and one of his frequent jaunts into my room in an attempt to destroy all my possessions. Later, my sister described a similar encounter. She slept on a large armchair in our living room and woke up to see me bent over her, close to her face, staring at her, smiling ear to ear. She said I stared at her for a long time and she felt afraid to fully open her eyes or confront me. When she asked me about it the next day and described to me the manner in which I stood, I demonstrated to her that I couldn't have done that even if I wanted to. 
The armchair in question is very large, and to stand the way she claimed I was standing, I would have it would have required me to be about a foot taller than I was. Now, at this point, three different people have had four different encounters with something imitating someone else. We had all spoken to each other about what we experienced, and we'd begun to refer to this entity as the imposter. One night, some friends and I sat at my kitchen table. We heard footsteps coming down the stairs. One of my friends turned to ask me, do you know who that is? We're the only ones here, I answered. Listen, listen to the footsteps, she said. It's you. What? I listened, and she was right. The sound coming from the stairs matched my very distinct step pattern. When we went to look, there was no one there. We returned to the table only to be shocked a little bit later by the sound of someone running down the hall towards us. We all heard it. We felt the footsteps through the floor. And then a screeching sound as if someone dragging something heavy and metal across the basement floor came from downstairs. Now at this point, my friends and I were all terrified but reluctant to flee outside at night. Instead, we all took a seat at the counter where we where we would have a clear view of every window and every door in the room. We sat with our backs to the cabinet and tried to stay calm. And then we heard three clear, purposeful raps from within the cabinets right behind our heads. We fled the house immediately. I found an apartment as soon as I was 18. Although I visited home, I never experienced any further activity. My father moved out shortly thereafter, and I'm told by my siblings that still speak with him that he has returned to the normal man he once was, a man who raises rabbits and teaches children how to fish and trap and hunt. My mother and younger brother live in a new house now. I thought to myself offhandedly the other day, I wonder what the imposter does now that it has no one to harass. I hope it isn't getting bored. Then my mother told me this story. Next to their new home, there is an abandoned barn that the landlord instructed them not to go into. She was babysitting her new neighbor's young son. She, When his mother came to pick him up, he asked my mother why she went into the barn. She said she did not. The boy became frustrated and emotional. He said, I don't care that you went in. I want to know why. My mother continued to deny it, and the boy asked her why she was making him look like a liar in front of his mom. He said, I saw you go in. I watched you go into the barn. I don't know why you're lying to me. My mom and my brother both thought the same thing after seeing how he reacted. But there was no point in explaining to this child that they've probably just brought some paranormal hitchhiker from their old house that likes to impersonate people. It wasn't until I listened to the Scared to Death podcast that I considered the possibility that multiple entities were in the house. The harmless spoon bending and trash throwing that my mother scared off with a firm scolding doesn't seem like they were the same malevolent on the same malevolent level as the imposter. It's hard for me to speak seriously about any of this, though, because like I said, I'm a chronic skeptic. The further I move away from these experiences, the easier it is to convince myself that there must have been some other explanation I just didn't see for all of the things and to brush off witness accounts as unreliable. But I can't explain away those three knocks that my friends and I heard together. And for this boy who had no knowledge of our home's history to witness the imposter also gives me pause. Thanks again. Uh, for giving me a reason to look forward to Wednesdays, and thanks for reading my tale if you've made it this far. MC. MC, man, that was a spooky tale. Yee. That one got uh, made uh, my hair, my arm stand up multiple times. Yeah. And that one, I think you were working on that one last night when you got spooked and came over and sat by me on the couch. I did. That's a scary story. It's a scary fucking story. And of course, then I was hearing all sorts of weird noises in our you kitchen. Were. And I kept like looking over my shoulder and I'm like, it's just the house settling. And I think it was. Like, but yeah, but I, but I, but I get, because I was it's not. Weird. At that point, I was working on a cult episode of Time Suck, so I was not in that, like, heightened, spooked kind of uh, state of mind. And then, you know, you were, so it was easier for me to just be like, yeah, it's just the 
dishwasher. It's just a well, the dishwasher, table. The dishwasher whatever. wasn't running. Things, Ta- things settle. Tables don't settle. What are you yeah, talking about? Sure they can. What are you talking about? Everything settles. It settles and it resettles. And then it, what? And then it lifts up and then it resettles. Oh, it lifts up. Who's huh? lifting it up? Air. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Just some things I tell myself. <laughs> it was houses we- expand and contract. Well, kind of. So maybe with temperature. Uh, well, they we do ha- make noises. Houses do make noises. Houses do settle, expand and contract. I think like what you're kind of saying is like when there's like a big fluctuation in temperature. Yeah, it gets warmer during the day and colder at night, and the wood kind of you know uh-huh. and moisture and different things. But and we have, de- and demons. But, <laughs> demons. But there was nothing. There has been no recent weather event that would cause that. And it definitely, like, one of the sounds was definitely the refrigerator. You know, you can hear, like, the cycle yeah. go on for it to make ice and to whatever, filter the water. Like, you can hear the water lines going. But there were other sounds in that kitchen. And if you recall, when our witchy friend came to our house, she stood in the kitchen at the stove and said to me, do you sometimes feel like you feel something here? Do you sometimes feel like if you mm-hmm. looked out of the corner of your eye, you might see something? Yes. And I felt that all night last night when I was sitting on the couch. But not necessarily bad. It's, yeah. just, it's hard not to have like an immediate reaction of fear. It's the, it's the fear of the unknown. What if I did look over and see something? <laughs> then yeah. what? It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. And, and that's what, why kind of... Oh, what if I'm sitting next to you on the couch and then you look over and another me is like putting some dishes uh, in the sink? I would be thrilled to have some help around the house. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. Okay. I said, I said, I put the ball, you, the, yeah, I put you, the ball in the TV. That, you, thank that you. One. I appreciate that one. No, uh, you're very good about emptying the dishwasher. I would be, if I saw a you doing laundry, I would okay. be like, who, who are you? <laughs> You'd be like, thanks, guy. I like this guy. Oh, this guy is helpful. No, but I mean, yes, I would be terrifying if I looked over yeah. and it was like a you kind of just waving at me, mm-hmm. grinning man. Uh, but I, that's not. Yeah. The, M story. Yeah. Man. I mean, that like, uh, that thing about her grandma. You I talk, know. She, she talks about like being skeptical, and I'm like, just take out, take away everything else. The thing about Grandma would freak me the fuck out. I know. Think about Grandma Betty, mm-hmm. and who is, who's like mobile down, and healthy, right. but like she's not running fucking anywhere. No, and I think about Grandma Betty. Like I picture Grandma Betty in like five years, yeah, like that. and then all of a sudden just zipping down the stairs and like you? like sh- and then and then be like, I was never up there. Ah. And then, and then when you just, and then when you add that with all the other things, her seeing the mom. Her sister seen her, mm-hmm. and then the dad's personality changed, and then the, and then that thing, that crazy thing about like the dad's apparition coming up the stairs or whatever, <gasps> and then and then just disappearing. Like, well, I guess that was uh, what she said. Like, I she, guess that wasn't. Oh, you I guess or, that wasn't you. Yeah, and then, I'm like, like, are you insane? Oh my god! And then the thing about the, the following them at the end with the barn, and I, I feel bad for the dad in that story because it's like, what if that was some kind of like affliction, mm-hmm. or some kind of. Uh, you know, like oppression. Uh, uh, or... Yeah, exactly. Demonic, like infestation. But it's like not necessarily like I guess it is oppression. When it's not like a full on possession. Mm-hmm. But but they're because it oppresses who you are. Yeah, they're like so a, that it can. It, yeah, it's affecting your nature and changing your personality and like yeah. it's, it's attached to you somehow. And if uh, if that was happening to him for years, how mm-hmm. how sad. Well, now he's like raising animals. Right, he's raising, raising rabbits. Rabbits. He's teaching like, kids how to fish. He's like a super nice guy. Yeah, it's like what? As soon as he left the house, and he was nice before all this stuff, crazy stuff happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd love to hear his perspective on all that. I know, I know. Well, and it sounds like MC, she doesn't talk to him, mm-hmm. but you know, some of her siblings do. Which, like, I, I can't really blame her. If you mm-hmm. have a lifetime, sure. Of course, I don't blame her. If you have a lifetime of abuse, no right. matter no matter what, you're still an abused person, yeah, and you still exactly. have trauma, and you still don't feel safe, and you've got. You know, mm-hmm. to work through like your felt safety issues and man, but like for her siblings to still talk to the dad, 
definitely would love to hear what he yeah. thinks and like what his take is on it because it all i mean we don't know their family history it could also be uh parents split up he moved out he stopped drinking like we don't know if there were other yeah, the other factors extraneous factors yeah and, and you were talking about things in our house have you heard joe's updates on what's been going on in his house no we haven't had a chance to talk because this is insane so we joe do you want to talk about it now I, I mean, it's up to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't do it on the heard, live show because it was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty lengthy. So, um, Joe gave me some details, and this is it. it cre- my hair was standing up. Okay. It, it creeped me out. Okay, so before we go forward with where we're yeah. at today, moving forward, Joe, you had a ghost in your house previously. We kind of talked about this, but tell us from the beginning because there might be people who've never heard. Gotcha. What already transpired? Okay, crisscross applesauce. <laughs> so this was about two years ago mm-hmm. when I. Uh, when I was getting home with the kids after some uh, after school stuff, and and I'll just say right now, if you if you do follow me on Instagram, I made a video about it, and you can see the videos I posted of the sounds that just happened a couple of days ago. And will you give your handle just so people can find? Oh, it? Oh, Reverend Doctor Paisley. Yeah. R E V D R Paisley. Yeah. No spaces, no nothing. Anyway, so it's on there if you want to check out the videos that I'll mention, but we're not going to play them here. So two years ago, I got home for, uh, from after school stuff. I forget what it was. I think I was just picking the kids up from Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. And we got home, and my wife was not home. I knew that she was still at work. And we're walking through the, the kitchen, uh, which, you know, back door, goes to the kitchen. My son Ezra runs ahead, so he's out of the way. Uh, no pets are around, and me and Pepper are walking through. And uh, right over the top of my stove, I hear this super friendly woman's voice go, Hello. <laughs> and I just stopped in my tracks. I was like, what the fuck? And then, uh, you know, at that point, I'm hoping I was just hearing shit. And then Pepper stops right in front of me and she turns around and looks at me and goes, did you just say hello? <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, shit. I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't really know what to say. And she goes, oh, well, mommy's home. Mommy. And she starts running around the house because she's so convinced that somebody's there. Yeah. So I play along and I help her SWAT team clear the house, knowing that Aaron's not there. But just trying to figure out what to do. And luckily, she kind of... Forgot about it. She wasn't too freaked out, and she moved on because kids have ADHD. In a way, she went to watch some videos. Um, I went back in the kitchen. I was staring at the stove, trying to figure out what just happened. Uh, and then I felt like little finger fingertips on the back of my neck. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, that that froze me. Uh, I called my wife. She was like, "No way!" All this kind of stuff. And uh, and so I decided I was going to call uh, Zach's wife because I she's the only one. She's super connected with that world. Right, right. And so uh, that was my first instinct. And so I reached out to her. And the first thing she says to me is, I knew you were going to call. Oh, that, I forgot. <laughs> and we had never, yeah. like, we had never, I'd never talked. I'd always call Zach. Like, right. we, had, we had talked plenty of times. But right, had, but like, never you wouldn't just pick up the phone and call her. Exactly. Yeah. She goes, I knew you were going to call. She goes, I having a dream or a vision. It was you and Aaron's face. And you guys kept repeating the same name, just Max, 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 over and over again. And she goes, do you know anybody in your life named Max? And she doesn't know my family. And it's like, yeah, my brother's name is Max. So that was creepy. Mm-hmm. But I reached out to him. He's like, nope, everything's peachy here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, weird. Uh, dead end. Dead end lead. So we moved on. And it was a couple of days later. Uh, but uh, Zach's wife had another like vision. And she drew a picture of this woman. And she said, I don't know. She just came and talked to me. And I think this is the spirit that was at your house. I showed the picture to my wife. And she goes, oh, yeah, that was one of the patients I had. And then come to find out her name was Maxine. Uh-huh. So this. there's this max, you know, these max correlations going across the board. Um, turns out, you know, just to, to draw this first part or not to draw this first part out, part out any longer. Uh, you know, Maxine, she did pass away at the hospital. Aaron did not know that uh, they had gotten like in a fight and there was some speculation that maybe she was come to say, sorry. So <laughs> Crazy, yeah. that's the first part of all of this. Nothing really happened for a couple of years. Some things here and there where I think I was hearing stuff, but I just, you know, move on. 
Uh, so yeah, a couple days ago, uh, kids were in bed, animals were not moving around the house, no horses, nothing like that. And I'm sitting on the, on the couch going through my socials and I hear a woman's voice again, which I can't say for sure it was the same woman, but she just, I, I heard, Hey, soft, which doesn't make any sense, but maybe I just misheard it. Um, but it was very clear. Hey, soft. I got the same chills. And I was like, Oh, I was like, no way. I kind of, I was like, not now. <laughs> not I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> so I go back to the kitchen to uh, basically see if I get the same feeling, and I did. Um, and that's when I started filming, and I caught some noises on camera in my living room. It sounded like something fell off a shelf, and then I started like joking around because my wife told me to sage, and then just being the the slap ass that I am, I sent her a video of me just doing it like all goofy. I knew she was gonna yell at me like none of the windows were open. Doors weren't open. I was just like talking in a weird voice, being a you know being a jackass. Mm-mm. And while I'm doing that, then there's a big stomp on the floor behind mm-hmm. me in the kitchen. Again, these videos you can go you can go look them up. Uh, scared me, scared me enough to get in contact with Zach's wife again. Uh, and she came over after the scared to death live that we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happened? Um, okay. So here we this go. This is crazy. So she walks in, and I got the babysitter out of there. And then first thing she says, she goes, "Well, someone is here. There's a woman here." And I was like, "Okay, wonderful." And she's walking through my kitchen and she's just kind of staring at stuff. And Zach and uh, his wife, like I used to record his band. She has never been over at my house since our house had been remodeled. Okay. So we remodeled it and she would have never known where anything was before we remodeled it because they had never been over. Um, And she's walking through the kitchen and then she just spins around and points kind of up towards the ceiling. And she goes, were there cabinets there at one point? And I was like, yep. And she goes, oh, she kept something important up there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. And then she went over to the stove and she goes, I'm guessing this is kind of like where the dinner table was, right? And I was like, yep. She goes, yeah, she's, she's you know, going back and forth between the cabinet and the dinner table, uh, not really knowing what to do. And there was no like, it's just the same woman. She didn't know for sure, but she said that she did keep something really important in these cupboards. She doesn't really know what it is right now, but she, she is curious to find out more about it. So she walks into our hallway and this is where I have felt other stuff where I've seen or heard voices while I'm in the bathroom or whatever it may be. And then uh, she stops and she points through the wall and she goes, someone's there. Someone, she goes, there's someone right there. And at this point, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this on Scared oh to Death. God. But uh, between the two years, there was a period of time. It was one night where Ezra woke up. And he came into our room and he goes, he goes, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, I, I, I see Jesus. Yep. You told me about this. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, there's a little girl floating in my closet. She's glowing in the closet. Oh and I was like, uh, I was like, where? And so he goes and shows me. And at this point, Ezra and Pepper shared a room. And so Ezra were like, okay, that's weird. You know, it's crazy dream you had, blah, blah, blah. He goes out. And then about two hours later, Pepper comes out and goes, oh my God, I saw a floating girl in the closet last night. And they had not talked to each other. I had no idea any of this had happened. And me and Aaron are like, oh my God. So she, I was like, okay, show me where. They both pointed to the exact same spot. Oh shit. So I've never shared this story with Monique, right? Right. So she has no idea. She's in my hallway. She points to the closet. She goes, there's a, there's a, there's a girl, little girl in the closet. Oh my God. And so she goes in (laughs) and she's, you know, checking it out and and doing the feels. And uh, she goes right to that corner and goes right here and points to the corner of the closet where she says the little girl is. And she goes, there's actually two kids here. She goes, one is a little girl. I think she said about, uh, I think she said seven years old and the little boy is four. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, and they're scared. Oh. And she goes, not scared of you. She goes, they're scared of what happened to them. 
And then she goes over and she touches their, their dresser and goes, where'd you get this? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And we just got it from like an antique store. Oh, shit. So she's thinking that the kids came with the dresser and is attached to it. <laughs> the fuck? And I didn't do I didn't. I didn't have her get them out because I don't want, I don't know what that means. I, I feel bad the kids are stuck in the closet, <laughs> but I don't know where they're going to go. Like, I don't want to banish them into somewhere. Hey, get out of here. They're not doing anything mean. There's been nothing since then. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, explored more of the house and went to different, like basically went to these hot spots and then went down in the basement. And this is where the story gets super crazy, okay? So all of these details that you have right now, I have not told uh, uh, Monique any of these. Right. So what happened two days before that, Pepper came upstairs out of nowhere and said, hey, can you guys sage the house? And me and Aaron had no idea she even knew what saging meant. Right. She's like, can you, can you sage the house? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. I leave and go to work. Aaron tells me later that Pepper, she asked Pepper why. And she goes, I'm hearing whispering and knocking in my room in the basement. Fuck. So again, you gotta she, sell your house. she doesn't know any of this. <laughs> it's not threatening. She doesn't know any of this. Monique goes to Pepper's uh, bedroom door and says, like, oh, she won't go in here. She's not going to go in here, but she will try to get your attention by whispering and knocking, which wow. is exactly what Pepper said basically the morning before. Oh, my God. So all of these things just started connecting. Uh, nothing has happened since. We did some. She walked around, and I, I forget the name of all the things because I'm an idiot. But, well, she uh, probably did like a Palo Santo. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. she did something. Nothing has happened since then. Um, you know, it, the emotions in my house running high because yeah. of some other things, which could be feeding the energy. Yeah. Um, but all of those things pieced together makes for a pretty interesting story. Yeah. yeah, yeah so that's where crazy. we are right now. Yee. Are you, yeah. s- but are you uncomfortable at home? No, not really. Okay. okay. That's good. Like I didn't want to, I, she left before and maybe she left again. Like the last yeah. time we stayed, she, you know, she, no woman stuff for years. Right. And you don't remember finding anything in the cabinets when you were. No. I mean, it would have been way before or? we were there. Yeah. Oh, like okay. there was a whole wall and cabinets that we ripped out. Got it. So got it. there was nothing really in there. Just we, like we kept whatever things you would keep above a refrigerator. Right, like right. Candles like, and old like dishes that you use only on Thanksgiving. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, stuff yep, like yep. that. But that was all we kept up there. But we have no Man. idea what was there before we Man. ripped it down, which could have created, you know, two different instances. One with Maxine, mm-hmm. which that with the paint, the, the drawing that she drew. And yeah. that matched up. Everyone's like, yeah, it looks like a younger version of the patient. Oh my God. Um, so we don't know if it's the same one. It could be a different woman, which kind of gets makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe one's now, one has come back when the other one left. So Would you consider doing like some research on like the title of your house? Like seeing yeah. who previously owned it and then kind of try and see if there was any like story or new yeah. stories about them? I think, mm-hmm. I, I, think I will. There has been, it, it switched hands rev- relatively quick before we got it. Okay. But I think that was from a break-in. Like someone broke in through the back door and scared the whole family and they moved. Wow. Like that type of thing. But I don't well, think it's anything related to this. Okay. I wonder, well, unless, well, oh, but she thinks the kids are attached to the dresser. To the dresser. And that came in uh, around that exact time when the oh, the kids okay. would have showed up. So it's been a, been a wild ride. Yee. Well, keep but us nothing posted. Yet. Nothing yet. Thanks for sharing that. That is yeah. That's an intense story. That's a creepy story. I'm glad that's happening at your house and not mine. I know. <laughs> they feed off. They feed off. Uh, feed off tater tot casserole. There you go. There you so go. Raw we gotta be meat, careful. Raw meat casserole. Man, uh, do you want? Do you want to share some Annabelle shout outs? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, sorry, I'm still You're, thinking about that. I was mm-hmm. ready to say goodbye. Was like, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. Whew, it's too much. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon: Mish, Roxy, Sammy Koss, 
Sam Schweigert, Titus Earl, Ren Allred, Michael Spear, Teresa Hansen, Kira, uh, and this is uh, Shalonda Heller, Holly Sogla, Andrew Miller, <laughs> Battery Flaccid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> GT Stratton, Matt Wold, Jason Poston, Zachary Eckert, Sean Martin, Cassidy Cotham, Montana Shelton, Alex and Ryan Whipperman, Alex Burton, Don and Gwen uh, Wynn, Ashley Calvert, and Aaron Biggs. Nice. Now, um, our printer is running out of ink. Mm -hmm. So, oh boy. Uh, there might be a couple last names that got oh, no. eaten by the ink. So I'm going to try my best, and uh, I'm, I'm giving it my all. Uh, okay, I would like to thank the following Annabelles. Deb and Kevin Varney, Jay Healy, Nick, Andrew Dill, Samantha Han, Daryl D. Smith, Tyler Harris, Josh Beebe, which, like, are you Josh Beebe, the realtor in Coeur Because mm. I see your signs all over the place. <laughs> um, Erica Stork, Josh, no last name given, Kelly Drury, Andrew Rich, Margaret Estrella, Aaron Hester, Morgan Page. Oh, yeah. You had, like, a hyphenated last name. It's gone. Uh, Morgan oh, no. Page Vial something. Courtney Lemister, Logan McGinnis, Veronica Ellis. Leslie Bryan, Caitlin, no last name, Black Atmosphere, Kenneth Fry, and Patrick Flannery. Uh, Morgan Page, if you're listening to this episode, if you send me an email, I will fix your last name and give you a new shout out. Yeah. Because you didn't get your whole name, and I apologize. Um, and then my spooby shout outs this week are to Mike, uh, to Dad Mike from Brandy Ray, happy birthday, I love you. To Kate from Grants, love you. To uh, Rayleigh from your cousin Courtney, congrats on your engagement. To Connie from Matthew, happy birthday. <laughs> to Anthony from Tyler, love you big sexy. These are two brothers <laughs> living far apart. Awesome. And they share the show as a way of bonding. And to Nicholas from your mom Debbie, happy belated birthday. And that is our show. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death podcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scared to death podcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for the work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thank you to Joe Paisley for sharing his story today, for producing and directing today as well, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And thanks to book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories each week. And also thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding my first story today and producer Sarah Finch for finding the second. If you want ad-free episodes, monthly bonus episodes, uh, invites to the This Looks Awesome horror movie watch parties and more, please check out our Patreon and enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place... Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 